0: Thank you for tuning in to this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Yo, 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 yo. What's up? Hi. Good to see you all. I'm looking across this room. And I see so many people that I have known, some of you for all of your lives. Like I've known some of you for all of your lives. Any of you know uh, Trey Merrill? I've known Trey since he was like this tall and now he's seven feet, three inches. You can laugh, that's a joke. (laughs) Trey, watch this guy grow up around here. So many friends in the house. Some of your parents, I remember them telling me and my wife, Lisa, when they were finding out they were pregnant with you. And so to now see you growing up and becoming men and women of God is such a joy. And um, how many of you are done with school officially for the year? Okay, all right. Okay, very good. How many of you have like one or two days left or a few days left? We will pray for you. We will pray for you. Uh, I am the proud dad of Lillian Carol Grothy and Wilson James Grothy over here. I'm not going to embarrass them too much tonight, but Lillian turns 15 on Saturday. So can you just say happy birthday, Lillian? Yes, yes, yes. I'm also the proud dad of Wakely Daniel Grothy, but he's not here tonight. But I thought I should say that in case he watches this and goes, what? (laughs) You're only proud of the first two? No, all of them. Uh, I said Wilson, Wilson James. Um... I gotta say that I love your pastors here. You have such a great pastoral team and aren't you thrilled for Tim and Mariah to now be parents? I love the way you worship. I love the way you take care of one another. I love the way your friends here, the environment that you've created. And I love the way God has protected us here at New Life Church and led us through all of these years. This is my, I'm just finishing my 17th year at New Life and about to begin my 18th year. And God has given us such a great thing here at New Life Church and I just wanna encourage you to continue to steward the gift that God has given you. The great friendships, The presence of the Lord, this beautiful building that we can gather in and celebrate and stay late and have summer nights and all that stuff, it's a gift. So uh, I I wanna encourage you to continue to cherish the gift that God has given you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 145. Uh, Psalm, the book of Psalms is like right in the middle of the book and there's 150 of them. So if you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen, so no sweat. But what I'll do is I'll read this text and then I'll pray and we'll jump in tonight. Sound okay to you? Does it sound okay to you? Okay, I'm going to need just a little bit more from you tonight. I'm normally in bed by now, so I'm really tired, so I'm going to need you to interact, okay? It's 7.40. It's late. I'm kidding. I will exalt you, my God, the King, says the psalmist. Listen to the word of the Lord. I will exalt you, My God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. And every day I will praise you and I will extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of what? Praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works They tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you tonight to speak. I do not have enough strength in my own. I do not have enough wisdom on my own. I don't have have the power to change hearts and to shape lives. Lord, you do that. And so we invite you to speak to us tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would open our ears that you'd open our eyes, that you'd soften our hearts, that you'd make us more like Jesus tonight, we pray. So may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Our strength and our redeemer, we pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, so we're in this series going through the Psalms that you've been looking at for about eight weeks now. And the Psalms, what I want you to understand is that these 150 songs, that's what Israel's songbook, basically. These 150 Psalms give us permission to bring all of our humanity into the presence of the Lord to bring all of our emotions into the presence of the Lord, to bring all of our feelings into the presence of the Lord, we get to tell the truth. And you've looked at bringing thanksgiving to the Lord. You've looked at uh, God being worthy of your anger and God being worthy of your lament and God being worthy of your fear, but God also being worthy of your joy and your elation. And tonight what we wanna look at is this topic of God is worthy of our praise. So tonight I want to put three things in front of you. What are we doing when we praise the Lord? I want to suggest a few things. Like some of you may be wondering, you may be too new to this story. Why do we come to church? Why do we gather down front and lift our hands and sing? And I saw some of you kneeling in the presence of the Lord and lifting your hands and, and praying. Why do we worship God? Why do we praise Him? Tonight I want to put three things in front of you So I'll start with saying this. The first thing is to praise God is to acknowledge who God is. To praise God is to acknowledge who God is and to honor his holiness, his otherness, his supreme majesty and his beauty. To praise God is to honor who God is. You ever heard that story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego getting thrown in the fiery furnace? It's in the book of Daniel. These are Daniel's friends these three Hebrew boys who are living in Babylon and Babylon had taken the Hebrews out of Jerusalem and, and uh, dominated them and taken them away to Babylon. And they had made them slaves. They had subjugated them and, and broken their identities. And so here these three Hebrew boys are in a foreign country and they've been decimated by this uh, regime. And now they're living in the King's palace, basically as servants and the king, he makes a, a, a decree. I'll, see, I'll let you see it here. He makes a decree that I, he built this 90-foot idol of an image that he wanted all of the nation to worship. And these three, three Hebrew boys, they worship Yahweh and Yahweh only. <laughs> they're, they're not gonna bow down to the idols. And, and the king gets so angry and he says, no, you will bow down. And so we pick up here in Daniel 3, furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Surely not. I mean, like, no, I must have gotten bad information. Now when you hear the sound, he says, I want you to to bow down, all kinds of music. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. I'm giving you another chance. I'm gonna be benevolent here. I'm gonna be kind. And I I know you made a mistake the first time, so I'm gonna give you another chance. He said, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Now he's threatening them, taunting them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. Imagine going into the president's oval office and he has said, no, you will do this or you will die. And you go into the president's office and these young guys are just composed. They're not defensive. They're not scared. They're not angry. They just said, we're not able to. We're not able to. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Like, you are not God. (laughs) The God we serve is. But look at this in verse 18. It says, but even if he does not deliver us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We just can't do it. How are these guys able to say that? Why are they saying that? They're saying We can't bow down to your 90 foot statue and we cannot worship your false gods and we cannot bow down to your idols because there is only one God who is worthy of our praise. There is only one God who said, let there be and there was. There is only one God who can raise the dead. There is only one God who can take care of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness for 40 years and give them manna and water out of the rock. There's only one God who can do it and your stupid little statue is not him. We cannot bow to your idols. Only one God is worthy. And so to praise God is to acknowledge who God is. It's to say, you know what? There is only one, and we will only bow the knee to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who's given us his word. And we will only worship at his throne because he's the only one who is worthy. So when we come into this place and then when we go to our homes and we go to our schools and we live our lives and we open the scriptures and we go to the World Prayer Center for prayer meetings and we pray, when we lift our hands and worship and sing, what we're saying is there is only one God who is worthy. So to praise is to acknowledge who God is. Can you say amen tonight? Amen. That's the first thing I want you to see about praising God is We're acknowledging who God is, all of our little idolatries, all the world's temptations, all the other things that have been set up before us that the world wants us to worship. We say we can't do it because there's only one God who's worthy. The second thing that I want you to see about praising God is to praise God is to thank God for what he has done. Everyone say has done. So when we praise, we're acknowledging who God is, but when we praise, we're also sort of looking back to the past. Think about over here, sort of as this timeline of history. When we look back in the past, we're able to see what God has done to be faithful for us. When we praise God, we're acknowledging what God has done. And the psalmist in Psalm 103, David puts it beautifully for us. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not. When you think back about the past, he's recalling their memory to all that God has done for them, forget not all his benefits. Have you ever made a list? And we try to do this at our home. When we have dinner, we sit around the table and Lisa will say, I wanna hear your high, I wanna hear your low, and I wanna hear your ha, high, low, ha. What was your high for the day? You know, what was the great memory? Something, something that just made you smile. What was your low? What was something that made you sad? And what was your ha? What made you laugh? We, we talk about that as a family. And what it does is it, it provokes our memory to what God has done through, throughout the day to preserve us. God has taken care of us. Have you ever made a list? And like, think about your day today, just today. What has God done to be good to you? First of all, we woke up. We woke up, there was breath in our lungs. There's joy in our hearts. I ate some food this morning. You're obviously, you can tell that I obviously don't miss many meals, right? Like God has provided for us. God, like God is taking, you can laugh people, okay? A 39 year old bald guy, it's okay. We can laugh about this. I'm not cool like Tim. God is taking care of us. We, we drove our kids to school. We had a car to do that. God has provided for us. We got to come to this place and see so many friends and we ate pizza before the service and we're gonna hang out tonight and we've got great school teachers and we have healthcare and, and we, we have people who are fighting for us. Some of you have grandparents that have loved you and taken care of you and parents that have loved you and taken care of you. And the psalmist, David says, when you think about what God has done, don't you dare forget all of his benefits. Don't you dare forget what God has done to take care of you. Make a list, write it down, thank God, lift your hands, lift your head, lift your eyes and declare what God has done. Now, some of you, I can hear your, your protestation. I can hear your pushback. Some of you are like, yeah. I'm not an extrovert. I'm kind of a quiet introvert. Uh, you don't know my Enneagram number. And so I'm just gonna, it doesn't really work with me to like, like be expressive in my worship. I'm just kind of an isolated person. And, and, and what I wanna say tonight is that praising God for all of us is always a decision. It's a decision that we make. Some of you think, you know, it's not really my personality. I'm just kind of a quiet, I'm I'm an introvert. and, And no, praising God for all of us is a decision, but I want you to know what happens when you make that decision. For me, when I get, stuck in cycles of despair or sadness like life collapses in on all of us we all have hard days where it seems like the dark clouds of despair come in and and we don't really feel it sometimes in God's presence we feel it and it's great and it's easy to clap our hands and and to to dance and to shout and to kneel and to pray but other days it's really difficult but I've noticed that when I make the decision to praise God despair begins to break off of me I'll get up, when I feel the funk coming over me, sometimes the best thing you can do is just begin to forget not all his benefits and practice practice remembering what God has done. And I'll say, Lord, thank you so much for saving me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for sending Jesus, your one and only son, who's washed my sins clean, Lord. Thank you for Lisa Carroll Grothy. What an amazing woman, Lord. Thank you for Lillian and Wilson and Wakely. Thank you for New Life Church, Lord. Thank you for health in our bodies. Thank you for meaningful work. Thank you for my friends and for my neighbors. And thank you for Grandma Wheezy, who's 90 years old. And thank you for my parents. And what happens is there's like this snowball effect of thankfulness that sort of starts racing downhill Against our despair. So, when you find despair closing in around you and the dark clouds blowing in and the enemy's trying to silence your praise, what you do is you fight against it with your words. You you obey the psalmist, forget not all his benefits. And he goes on to say, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And you begin to remember God's faithfulness and rehearse what God has done for you in the past. Praise is 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 a way that we thank God for all that he has done in the past. And what happens is when we make that decision, something in our souls opens up and despair is driven away. Can you say amen tonight, church? Thank you, my brother. The third thing that I want you to see about praise, praise is acknowledging who God is and it's remembering what God has done for us in the past. But praise, to praise God is to wait with hope for what God will do in the future. So we remember what God has done in the past. We remember who God is and his otherness and his holiness, that there's no one like him. But to praise God is to wait with hope for what God will do in the future. If you turn to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, it's a glimpse. John, he's out on the island of Patmos and he's become a political prisoner under the Roman Empire and they've arrested him and put him out on this deserted island all by himself and he's going to be an old man out there and die in isolation. It's a heartbreaking scene, but John gets this revelation out on the island of what God will do in the future. And I want you to see what the end of the story shows us what God is going to do. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the Holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So John sees this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. He sees heaven coming to meet earth And what does he say happens in that moment? He said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In the future, we're waiting for that day when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. It says, there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then he who was seated on the throne, Jesus said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So John says, I see this vision. What God is going to do in the end, the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven from God as a bride beautifully adorned for her bridegroom. And he said, in that day, there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more tears because God is going to make all things new. Friends, when we praise God, we're praising God in advance for what he's going to do one day in the future. It doesn't always feel good. And I don't always have the strength to do it. And I I don't, I I don't, most of the time I don't feel like doing it. Honestly, as a pastor, one of the things I do is I go into funerals and, and I sit with people who are weeping and mourning and after having lost a loved one, I go into hospital rooms. When someone has gotten the very worst diagnosis, I remember, you remember the Black Forest Fire? Some of you are old enough to remember that and the Black Forest Fire and all these homes were destroyed and, I remember going to a congregant's home that was just a a heap of ashes, smoldering ashes. The home that he and his wife and family had lived in for 30 years had been burnt to a crisp, and he's standing on the five acre plot out in Black Forest with a bunch of smoldering ashes. Do you think he felt like praising God in that moment? No. But I'll never forget the moment when he fell on his knees in the dirt. He's got soot all over his dirty jeans and he lifts his hands and he says, Lord, I give you thanks for every memory we made at this place. Lord, I praise you that we got to raise our children here and they had a safe roof over their head. Lord, I praise you for every memory we made around the kitchen table. Lord, I praise you for all the bedtime prayers we got to pray over our kids and for all the guests that stayed with us. Lord, I give you praise for your provision. And Lord, you took care of us in the past and here we are in this moment in the present. We don't know what's going on and we don't know where we're gonna live. But Lord, I praise you because I understand what's coming. There is a day that's coming when there will be no more tears, no more mourning, no more suffering, no more sorrow because the old order of things will have passed away friends he didn't feel like praising that day but when he did he started to get a glimpse of the future that God was going to bring for all of us have any of you heard the song it is well with my soul do you know what that song was written out of there's a man called Horatio Spafford and he lived in Chicago I married a Chicago gal. I see Sam over here, Chicago guy. The great Chicago fire in the 1800s, it decimated the city. Chicago was mostly built out of wood structures in that time. And Horatio Spafford, he was an insurance agent, and, and not many people in that time had insurance. And so this great fire sweeps through this gargantuan city of Chicago, and it's burned to a crisp. And Horatio Spafford is a man from England, and he had a wife and four daughters. They'd moved over to Chicago to build their insurance business. And now Chicago's burned to a crisp and he takes his wife and four daughters to the East coast and puts them on a boat because he's going to send them back to England. So he takes them out to the coast. He says, I love you. His wife, Anna and his four daughters, hugs them, kisses them. I'll see you in a couple weeks after I settle my accounts. He goes back to Chicago and then he gets a telegram from his wife, Anna. And the telegram says two words, saved alone. They got out on the ocean to cross over to go to England and the boat goes down and all four of his daughters die. In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, they drown and his wife Anna is somehow saved into a a boat and, and is brought over to England and she sends a telegram back to her husband, saved alone, all of our daughters are dead. And Horatio goes the next week and goes to the coast and gets on a boat and he starts heading over to rejoin his wife to grieve with her. And the captain of the ship comes to, her out in, uh, comes to him out in the middle of the ocean and he says, Mr. Spafford, this is the spot where the boat sank and your four daughters went down. And Horatio Spafford got out a pen and paper and he began to write the lyrics when peace like a river attendeth my way and when sorrows like sea billows roll You know he didn't feel like praising God in that moment. All he could do was weep. But somehow by, by faith, he understood what Jesus Christ secured in his death and resurrection. And he understood what Jesus was going to bring one day. That great Revelation 21 vision. When there's no more mourning. And no more suffering. And no more death. And no more tears. Because one day, the old order of things is going to pass away. And in the very worst moment of his life, Horatio Spafford writes, it is well. It is well well with my soul and whatever happens to me you have taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul friends when we praise God in the moment yes we are remembering what he has done in the past but we are also aching forward and straining forward with the eyes of faith toward that great glorious future that Jesus has secured for us and that will be here once and for all one day and so when it doesn't feel like It's easy to praise God. You praise God by faith. You praise God with an imagination for that great day when there will be no more death and there will be no more funerals and there will be no more shootings and there will be no more fires that destroy lives and there will be no more suffering on the planet. Friends, we praise God for what he's done and we praise God for what he is going to do. Can you say amen tonight, church? When all the evidence around us suggests that life is falling apart, we begin to praise God by faith. And when fear surrounds us and the enemy wants to shut us down, because that's what the enemy wants to do, he wants to heap despair and fear and anxiety and depression on you and to push you down into the dirt. And your way of fighting back is by lifting your hands and saying, Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. The one who raised Jesus from the dead is gonna raise all of us from the dead one day. And so we worship him because he's the only God who's worthy. And we will not bow to our stupid little idols that the world sets up around us, but we'll worship the one who was and the one who is and the one who is to come. We will worship the one who said, let there be light and there was. And we worship the one who one day will rebuke all of the devil's works. And right now, Jesus Christ, we lift up our hands to you. Friends, something in your soul begins to break open when you do that. I'm here to tell you, praising God is a decision and it's a decision that all of us can make. And when we do, despair begins to break off of us. So tonight, what I want us to begin to do is to practice. I want us to to work our way into this, to try this. The band's going to come. And we're gonna create a little moment here where we we begin to reflect. So I want you to focus here. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. And I want you to begin to practice Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What can you begin to remember right now that God has done for you? Just right there under your breath, can you begin to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my parents. Thank you, God, for my friends. Thank you, God, for my teachers. Thank you, God, for my coach. Thank you, God, for health in my body. I I want you to begin to just practice, and it'll take you a little bit to get going, but once you do, it's gonna start snowballing. So begin to thank God and forget not his benefits. I want you to use your own words. Make your own list. Give God your own praise. Begin to remember the past, the moments where you felt like the story was gonna fall apart and somehow, way, God broke in and saved your life. God saved your family. God saved your finances. God took care of your people. Forget not all his benefits. Maybe tonight what we need to do is, in this moment, we need to repent of some idolatry. Things that we have bowed down to and given worship to, given our allegiance to that are not worthy. So right now, can you just begin to to confess that to the Lord? There's no shame. I'm not pointing the finger. We all have to do this. I do this every day. (laughs) These idols get built up really easily and really quickly. But what we do when we see them is we knock them over and we begin to return our allegiance to God and God alone. So if you need to repent tonight of misplaced worship, let's do that. Lord, I'm sorry for the times that I've bowed the knee to all the things that won't last. All the things that don't matter all the things that I'll never be able to do, the heavy lifting. Lord, I repent and I return to you tonight. So we've thanked God for what he's done in the past. We've repented, but now can we begin to look forward to the future, that glorious future? Friends, a day is coming when there will be no more funerals. There will be no more heartbrokenness. A day is coming when there will be no more alienation or separation. A day is coming when there will be no more divorce. A day is coming when there will be no more court dates that we have to show up to. A day is coming when there will be no longer any betrayal or fear. A day is coming when there will no longer be sleepless nights of anxiety. Friends, God is going to make all things new. And Jesus said, write these things down because it's trustworthy and true. So write now. Can we be, would you just stand with me actually? We're going to sing here in just a minute, but I want us to imagine ourselves looking forward to that glorious day. Would you just open your hands right now? And Lord, come quickly. Lord, we invite you. I want you to use your words now, church. So come on, turn this into a prayer meeting here. Lord, for our friends that are hurting, would you make all things new? For families that are on the brink of brokenness, Lord, would you make all things new? For people whose businesses are failing, Lord, would you make all things new? For people who are suffering from fear and anxiety, Lord, would you make all things new? Jesus, we give you praise because you're, only, you're the only one who can do something about that. And so we anticipate that great day of the Lord when there will be no more death, no more sorrow, and no more mourning, and no more tears, because the old order of things will have passed away. And in advance, Lord, we praise you tonight. I pray for this congregation, at every critical moment of their lives that they would remember to praise you. Lord, I pray that you would keep the enemy from stealing their song. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the strength and the courage to, to worship in spite of how they feel in those seasons and to be broken free from despair. I pray the blessing of God. Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, smile big on my friends tonight and grant them and all of their people peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen, let's worship the Lord together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.